we face many difficult, very hard trials in our lives. Why is that? Well, first of all, we live in a broken world. We live in a world that is fallen, that is broken, that is marred, that is tainted. There's natural disasters. There's your car breaks, amen? Tires blow out. Alternators go out. Our bodies break down or or don't work right. Relationships face constant challenges. We live in a broken world. We face hard things because of that. We and others around us are sinners. We and other people make choices that cause problems. Amen? Just this week, we had another tragedy in our country in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Someone, a sinner, made a wrong, bad, terrible choice and now lives are changed forever. There are people right now who are struggling because someone else made a choice that changed their lives. We face difficult things because we follow God. You ever thought about that? Because we make a choice to follow Jesus, there is an enemy who hates God. There's an enemy who fights against God and fights against everything that God's about. So when we decide to follow God, we can be sure that we've signed up for somewhat of a battle. Now, we don't have to be afraid because the Bible says greater is he who is in us than he that is in the world. But we still are fighting a battle. We still are going to face struggles. So last week, we began a series called This Is Hard. And it's about God helping us to deal with very difficult things that we have in our lives. So last time in James chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, we talked about how to see your trial. We talked about how to have a bigger perspective. That that God wants us to experience some things in the midst of our trials that we may not necessarily have thought of. If you aren't here, let me give you a little bit of a hint. It's possible that in the midst of some of the most difficult things that you've ever faced in your life, that you're going to see God show up in a way that you've never seen or experienced Him before. I hope if you go back and listen to that message, you'll see that that's not meant to be cliche. That's not meant to be a quick and easy, just kind of easy answer. But it's true. And God wants us to understand that. So besides how should I feel about this, which we hopefully began to kind of process through that message, another question we, also, we often have is what should I do about this? Amen? Here I am. I'm in the middle of an extreme situation in my life. I do not know what to do. This is hard. This is difficult. I'm stuck. And that's what we want to focus on together in James chapter 1, verses 5 through 8. What to do in your trial. Let's look at James 1, verse 5. It says, but if any of you lack wisdom, and don't forget, he's talking about that we are going to face difficulty. He just talked about that in verses 1 through 4. He says, but if any of you in those situations lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But he must ask in faith without any doubting, for the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For that man 
ought not to expect that he will receive anything from the Lord. Being a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. God tells us in His Word, when you are in the midst of a trial, you're going to wonder, what am I supposed to do now? What am I supposed to do about this situation? God tells us very clearly in verse 5, the very first thing you ought to do, if you don't know what to do, is ask your Lord for wisdom. Ask God to give you wisdom. It says in verse 5, But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Now, we might expect for our good God to encourage us here to ask him for help. Amen? If you're in trouble, ask me. Come to me for help. And that's certainly what we find in James chapter 1, verse 5. But there's something more specific than a general call to come to God for help. He tells us specifically to come to God for wisdom. God says, ask me to help you to know what to do and how to do it. That is a very short, quick definition of wisdom. Ask God to help you to know what to do and to know how to do it. Because that's what wisdom is. Wisdom is knowing what is right or knowing what to do but knowing how to apply that real truth to real life and apply it rightly. So look at how God expresses that in verse 5. He says, but... Okay, notice, but is a contrast word. It's in contrast to what we learned about last week. Last week we learned if I'm in the midst of a trial that I can have great joy. It is possible for me not to be bitter. It is possible for that not to get the best of me, That it, but it is possible for me to have great joy and have great confidence in the middle of my trial. So that's the good, that's kind of the happy part, amen? That's the good part. Don't let this trial destroy you. Don't let this trial get the best of you. Don't let this trial get you down. And that is great. Praise God for that. But, that's great and all, Pastor Robbie. That's great and all, God, that I can have joy, that I can have confidence But this thing, at the end of the day, is still hard. Amen? There are still things that I need to deal with. I can go around smiling and saying I'm full of joy. And this is, you know, I just trust God. But at the end of the day, I've got to know what am I supposed to do and how am I supposed to go about that? I need some real answers. Amen? And God knows that. He says, but if... If you have problems and you don't know how to handle them, and by the way, if, if you look at this in the Greek language, this is written in a way, this is called a first-class conditional. It's, a, it's using an if statement. If something happens, but it's put in a way that's saying, and it is happening. Okay, you can almost translate it, since this is happening. But he says, if you find yourself in the midst of great difficulty, and you find that you don't know how to deal with it, What he's saying is, and you are in situations like that, amen? If you do, and you are, you have things that you don't know what to do. He says, if any of you, so let's just be clear, you are not the exception. This is for all of God's children. If you find yourself, if you put your trust in Jesus Christ, if you are a follower of God, if you are a follower of Christ, the Bible says, if you come to God, any of us, and lack wisdom. 
Remember, I said a definition of wisdom might be knowing what to do and knowing how to do it. Knowing what is right and knowing how to live that out in real life. Okay, if that's the case, then let's think about that. The first question is, do you know what is right? Isn't that a valid question? I'm stuck in the middle of a situation. I need to know what to do. Now, we're going to get to how to do it. But the first thing I need to know is, what should I do? That's a good question, isn't it? How do you know what is the right thing to do in life? Friends, you learn what is right from the Word of God. Very simply. You learn how to live life, what God says about accurately interpreting life by reading God's Word. There's lots of different choices about how we can seek after truth, how we can look for truth in this life. But the Bible says... God has designed this life in such a way. He's designed it according to His principles. And if we read His Word, we can learn how to see things that are in a very confusing world. Amen? 2 Timothy 3, verses 16-17. It says, All Scripture is inspired by God. That word inspired literally means God-breathed. Scripture comes from the mouth of God. It's straight from God to us. It is profitable for teaching, for proof, for correction, for training in righteousness. Okay, so you can say, Scripture teaches us what is right. Scripture teaches us what is wrong. Scripture teaches us how to get right. And Scripture teaches us how to stay right. And by right, I don't mean that you have an opinion that you're always correct. That's not what I mean, okay? That's the way some Christians approach, you know, being a Christian. But that's not what the Bible is saying. The Bible is saying that there is truth, there is reality, there is a way that we are supposed to live this life. And if we study and read the Word of God, we can know how to live this life. Isn't that exciting? Could it be as simple as, I need to spend more time in the Word of God. So that I can have confidence that I am seeing reality, amen? Amen. Times, see, I can't trust myself. I don't mean to be ugly, but I can't trust you guys. Unless you line up with the Word of God, right? I don't know what's going on in this world, but when I read the Word of God... So listen, if you want to grow in knowing what is right, you've got to make a decision. I'm going to get more serious about studying the Word of God. I'm telling you, it's true, friends. If you'll make a decision that I'm going to become a student of the Word of God, that you will find your life. I'm not talking about pride. I'm not talking about arrogance, because that's the way many Christians go with it. But humble confidence, amen. Anybody, amen? The more that I get to know God's word, the more confident I feel about what I'm seeing and what is happening around me. So that's the first step. Knowing what to do. But the Bible says it's more than that. Wisdom is knowing it, but it's also knowing how to use it. Because some people know God's Word, but they sure are doing a bad job of applying it. Amen? Whether that's abusing it or misusing it or misapplying it or whatever that is. So that's the second question. How do you know how to apply or how to live out that truth? And we're going to talk more about that, how to discover that in just a moment. But do you have situations, this is our main focus in verse 5. 
Do you have situations in your life where you do not know what to do and or how to do it? If the answer to that question is yes, then you need wisdom. So let's continue on in verse 5. He says, okay, if that's you, if you've got situations like that, then let that person ask of God. Okay, this is a very simple, straightforward question, but I ask myself this very often because a few years ago, I heard this passage and God got me to thinking about something that I've made a mistake in my Christian life many times. Many times when I have a problem in my life, what I do is I just sort of leave it with God. And I've thought that that was just me trusting God. Okay, I've got a problem. I'm not going to focus on the problem. I'm just going to leave it with the Lord. And I'm going to move on and let Him take care of it. And I was sort of seeing that as that's trusting God. In a sense, it is, isn't it? Sometimes you do leave things at the feet of Jesus and you trust Him and you move on unless He he wants to do something in in or through you in that situation. But that's not what I was doing. What I was doing is basically throwing it at Him. You, You know what I'm saying? I was basically getting rid of the problem and not dealing with it by just kind of throwing it at God and moving on. What God spoke to me about is, Robbie, you never talk to me about that. You've got something in your life that is hurting or not right or needs to be fixed, and you just kind of left it and said, okay, God, I'm going to trust you with it, but you never addressed it. And this is what God spoke to me about is, how important is that thing to you if you never talk to me about it? I don't know if that's helpful for you, but it's really challenged me. Because I need to specifically come to God about things in my life more often. Amen? Maybe it's as simple as that. Have you? Not theoretically. Not, yeah, I've sort of just turned it over to the Lord. Have you specifically named that person, named that situation before God? Even I would say, have you done that often? Because the Bible challenges us about that. And why are we told to do this? We're told to do that because the Bible says that if you will, what's our view of God? Our view of God is God's going to say, you knucklehead, what are you doing coming asking for me, me for help? You should know how to fix this. You got yourself in this mess. What's wrong with you? You've been a Christian for, for five years or however long. You know, you've been to, you've been to church. You should know the That's our picture of God, isn't it? And if we come to God, He's going to scold us. He's going to put us down. He's going to make us feel bad. And so what the Bible says is you can do that because God gives generously and without reproach. That word generously, some of your translations say He gives graciously. He get listen, friends, get this idea. We have an idea of maybe God will help me, but He might help me just a little bit, right? I mean, just barely, He kind of, you know, if you need something to eat, God will give you some bread and water. He just barely hands out some rations, right? Not the picture that many of us have of God? Okay, you're bothering me, but I'll help you out a little bit. This says God gives liberally. He gives abundantly. And actually, it's kind of hard to translate that word. But it actually seems to be in contrast with what he says about us. We're double-minded, but God is not double-minded. So listen, you can come to God because God's not confused about how he wants to deal with you. That's really a very appropriate understanding of what's being said in this passage. God is not sort of uh, half-hearted in this. He is open. There's no barriers. There's no limitations. There's no hesitation. 
God is certain about the fact that He wants to help you. He's not saying, I'm not sure if I want to mess with this person. So that's kind of the sense of the word. And so many times it's translated generously or liberally. And then it says without reproach. God won't insult you. Matthew 5, verse 11, the same words used. Uh, listen, when the Bible says, blessed are you when people insult you. Okay? He's saying God will not do that to you. When you come to God, He won't put you down. God's not going to chew you out. God's not going to say, what's wrong with you, person? Why can't you figure this out? Go help yourself or whatever. Have you ever heard the term, God helps those who help themselves? That's not true. Now wait just a minute. I understand if you're talking about we shouldn't be lazy, we should be responsible. There is truth to that, right? That we should be uh, responsible people and we should take care of what God has given us the power to take care of. And so in that sense, okay, I understand what that's being said. But, but in a sense, it's been totally misinterpreted. The Bible does not really teach that God helps those who help themselves. Bible actually teaches that God can only help those who know they can't help themselves. Don't miss that. So there's no shame in coming to God. Don't we all feel ashamed? I should be able to figure this out. I shouldn't be bothering you with this guy. That is not at all what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that this is not in any way a problem to your Lord. That actually God is waiting for you to come to Him. God is calling you and I to come to Him. Apparently the reason James deals with this because apparently there was a practice during this day that if someone came and asked you for help or asked you for a favor, asked you for money, to borrow money or something, that that person would just kind of belittle you, that they would berate you, that they would put you down, that that was just kind of a common practice. That if somebody came and asked you for something that you had to write to sort of, to sort of attack them about that before you started. What the Bible is saying is God is not at all like that. And again, he says, God is willing to do that for the pastors. Is that what he says? God is willing to do that for really strong Christians who've been Christians for at least 30 plus years. Is that what he says? He said, God does that to who? He gives to who? To all. To all who will ask of Him, God provides help generously, freely. He's not wondering how He's going to deal with it. He's ready to act like that towards you. And He's not going to insult you. That's really what it boils down to. Have you ever found yourself in a very difficult spot and you don't know what to do or how to handle it? The Bible says that you should come to God. You should ask God. You should ask God, listen, specifically, God, what should I do in this situation and how should I handle it? So there's a big ask. First of all, we ask God to do it. But He says something else in verse 6, in verses 6 through 8. You need to believe that God will actually give you the answer. See, I, I try to make us aware all the time as we're talking about God's Word. That Christians, we love, we really enjoy being the theoretical. See, the first part of the message is theoretical. 
You believe that you can come to God. Now, some of you don't, but God's growing you and trusting that you can come to Him. Well, many of you are Christians and you believe and you need to be reminded of some things. You need to be challenged about that. But do you really believe that God will give you specific direction? 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. Listen to what the Bible says. It says, no temptation, no test, no trial. That word can be translated temptation in a negative way or test or trial in a positive way. No temptation has overtaken you. No temptation has grabbed hold of you. But such as is common to man. Anytime I'm going through something, I want to think that mine's the worst that anybody's ever experienced. Amen? Isn't that how it feels? And I'm the exception. Nobody's ever said, I know God's got a lot of answers, but nobody's ever faced anything as difficult as this. He says, but not really. Nothing that you go through is going to grab hold of you and overtake you, but such as is common to man. And God is faithful. Say it with me. God is faithful. Say it again. God is faithful. We can stop right there. Amen. God is faithful. Case closed. Who will not allow you to be tempted or tested or tried above what you are able, but with that temptation or testing or trial will provide the way of escape also. Interesting. You can always know that no matter where you find yourself, this is not just the power of positive thinking. You've heard Pastor Robbie talk about it before, that when you are in a dark situation, you ought to have a little bit of a grin just start to form on your face because you know God's going to pop through somewhere. Amen? That's not just positive thinking. That's not just, uh, hey, don't worry, be happy. That's not pretending the Bible. That's clinging to the promises of God. Whatever trial I'm going through, God has promised to provide a way of escape so that you will be able to endure it. So the real issue here in verses 6 through 8 is do you believe that God hears and answers your prayers? I'm going to be more specific than that. Do you believe that God can show you Real ways to deal with your big problem. Because I want us to think about it. Isn't it true? Don't we sometimes ask God for things, but we don't really expect them to happen? Isn't it true? That sometimes prayer is more cathartic in the sense of we come to God because it feels good to talk to somebody about our problems. So we kind of feel like God's this big counselor couch, right? That we go, we're thankful that He's open, that He's available, that His appointments are always, you know, that His appointment book's always open for us. So we, we, it's, it's kind of a, I'm struggling, and I thank God that He's available to talk to Him. I'm thankful for that, but deep down I don't really expect, listen to me, isn't it true that deep down we're not really sure if anything real and practical it's going to change or happen. Isn't that true? Why is that? Why don't we really expect God to come through? I'll give you a couple of reasons. First of all, we struggle with this. Is this, is my problem really that important to God? 
this request that I'm giving, it seems kind of silly. That God would listen to my silly situation. Amen? We feel that way. I'm not, I'm, uh, you know, this situation is not that important. Second one is I'm not that important. Am I that important to God? We know that God cares, but we're not sure that God cares really that much about us. In other words, I can't tell you how many people have told me over the years, I just don't believe that God really has time to mess with me. He's got a lot better things to do with His time than to bother with me. Sometimes we wonder, does God really work like that? Do real things really happen from God in people's lives? Can somebody say amen if it's happened to you? Can God give real answers to people? Do people actually pray and talk to God about specific things? And those things actually change? Has that ever happened? Does God really get involved with daily practical situations? Can He give me an answer? Can God change my job? Can He? Can God move my boss? I share with people when they come to me, if you're having a problem at work, pray, change them or move them. That's what I pray. My mom called me a few years ago and said, Rob, my boss is just giving me, you know, y'all know how it is, right? So pray, change them or move them. God moved her boss, praise the Lord. Does God really provide for those bills? Does He? Has anybody ever gotten a check in the mail? Has anybody ever been surprised at a bonus? Just when you need it and within pennies of the price you needed. Can God really heal your marriage? I mean, I know God's big. I've heard that He's done some stuff for other people, but do you really believe that God can change your spouse or your kids? Sometimes we wonder, is God really real at all? For most of us, deep down, we know there's a God, or we know We've taken it a step further. We know that we've put our trust in Him. But in a trial, we are more tempted than ever to doubt Him. Amen? To doubt that He even exists. To, to doubt that He even is around. And here's one. This is not in your notes, but I want you to write this down. Is this too big even for God? Don't we wonder that sometimes? I love the Lord and I trust in Him. But I don't even see how God could do this. Anybody? Amen? Listen to what God's Word says in verse 6. But He must ask in faith. That means trusting without any doubting. For the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. The Bible says if you ask God to show you what to do, you must believe not only that He can, but that He actually will. Because if you do not believe, you're like the storm-tossed sea. That's what the Bible describes our life like without God. It's like a storm-tossed sea. It's just waves and just... Anybody get seasick? Anybody ever get that queasy stomach? Isaiah chapter 57 verse 20 and Ephesians chapter 4 verse 14... Two passages that describe our life like the sea. 
We're tossed about. Are you tired of being driven around by every wind that blows? Are you tired of bouncing around from this fix to that fix, from this relationship, from that opinion, from this is friend's advice? The Bible says, then trust God. Not just that He can, because I think everybody in this room probably thinks that God can. But do you believe that He will? By the way, it's a good question. How would God do that? How would God speak to us and give us His specific direction? Many people wonder about that. Write these down. First of all, His Word. God, God's Word has principles. You will be reading the Bible and you will find a principle that God will help you to apply to your situation. Praise the Lord. Amen. Anybody ever found that? But it's even better than that. The Bible is not a good book of good principled wisdom sayings alone. The Bible is that, but it's much more than that. The Bible says about itself that it is living, that it is active, that it is able to pierce down to the depths of your soul. God, in His sovereignty, has the ability today to, to just grab you and just call your number. Amen? Has anybody ever been to church? Has anybody ever opened your Bible in the morning? Has anybody ever turned on the radio and listened to a song and said, Oh my goodness, how? God is real. Amen? God is real. He is personal. His Word is alive. He spoke to me. Just He didn't have to ride it in the clouds with an airplane. He spoke to me just as clearly as if He said it Himself verbally. I would have to be disobeying to deny it. It's so clear. God speaks through His Word very clearly. That's our most reliable source. He speaks through other people, doesn't He? Somebody will say something. Somebody will suggest something. They will affirm something. They will notice something in you. They'll share an opportunity with you. Especially we trust God to speak through His people, the church. Because the third thing He uses is His Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God, when you are a Christian, lives inside of you. The Spirit of God begins stirring you sometimes, doesn't He? He begins stirring. There's a theme. There's something. There's a holy stirring. There's something happening in my soul, and I sense it. And God's affirming that. As I go to church, oh my goodness, how did He know? Amen? How did He know? We were just talking about that on the way to church tonight. Amen? The Spirit of God says to you, this is what I've been saying to you. I'm showing you that through my Word, through my servants. And God uses circumstances, doesn't He? Things happen. God orchestrates the events of our life so it becomes more and more clear God is speaking to me. Now again, the most reliable of those are His Word. But God uses all of those things and usually a combination of those things. For me, many times it is a sermon. It is a song. But God uses His Word. He uses His servant. He uses His Holy Spirit and the circumstance of me being there and hearing that and turning my radio on at just the right time or crossing paths with an old friend in some way and God saying, Amen, you know what I'm talking about? The question is, do you believe God can and that He will answer you if you trust Him? 
Because listen, if I don't believe that, it becomes what we call a self-fulfilling prophecy. What's a self-fulfilling prophecy? A prediction that makes itself come true. I don't believe that God's going to answer this. Guess what? You're right. I don't believe that God can or that He will lead me in this. You're right. He's not. God says, I can only help you if you trust me. Maybe we could think about it like this. Imagine that storm-tossed sea that we're on of life. And Jesus pulls up in the rescue boat. And we're clinging to the deck. We got one foot in his boat. And one foot in our boat. And we're just not sure, right? We're just grabbing hold. In fact, uh, Josh, he's been, uh, he's been posting on Instagram some pictures. He's uh, serving at Word of Life. He's a lifeguard this year. At Word of Life, finally been po- I thought he was working hard, but honestly, that doesn't like hard work. But anyway. <laughs> but Shane and I were talking, you know, we were a little bit nervous about him being a lifeguard. Because as we got to talking about it, I mean, that's a dangerous job. That's a lot of responsibility. That's stressful. He prayed about it and felt like that's what God wanted him to do and, and, and did what he needed to do to, to get ready. He's doing it. Praise the Lord. But we were just talking about, you know, like, buddy, hey, did they talk about it in your training? Yeah, Dad, you know that sometimes it's hard to rescue people because they fight you. The very person that is trying to rescue you that we won't trust that person. God says, if we will just trust the rescuer, we will be saved. When you are putting your trust in Jesus Christ, you will be rescued. And so the question is, will you quit holding on to listen, friend? Are you sick and tired of being sick and tired? there finally gets to be a point where what else do I have to lose? Just get crazy. Just get crazy and just let go. And trust the Lord. That you would get to the point of, I don't have another plan. I'm not like that. I'm always thinking about another strategy, right? I'm trusting the Lord, but if for some reason that doesn't work out. I got this in my hip pocket, amen? That ain't how the Lord works. No other way to go, God. The real question is this, how desperate are you? I was talking with my dad a little while back about diet changes and everything, and some things he's going through, some things I was going through, and and just talking about some diet changes that I made, and I said, to be honest with you, it hasn't been super difficult. Because I was forced to. If you have to, it's not as hard. And I shared with my dad, he was saying, yeah, I need to do some things, but I said, dad, you don't sound desperate to me yet. He said, that's what my doctor said. My doctor said, he said, my doctor said, when it gets bad enough, you'll change it. And I said, he's right. When you have to, and I, I'm just saying, I would not have changed if I did not had to. But it's not as hard when you have to. No choice. 
That's where God's wanting us to get with Him. If you want the madness to stop, you have to trust the Lord. But until you trust God, He says in verse 7, these, these verses, this verse has rung in my head. I remember reading them years ago. Let not that man expect that he shall receive anything from the Lord. Wow! Until I'm ready to let go with a reckless abandon, say, God, you are plan A, plan B, plan C, plan D, all the above. Let not that man think that he shall receive anything from the Lord. And then I think it's interesting what's, what's said in verse 8. It says, he's being a double-minded man. Listen to this. This knocked me off my feet this week when I thought of it. That person's being a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Listen to me very carefully. We think that trusting God is a super-duper faith thing. We think that trusting God is a nice, optional check-off to the Christian faith. But the Bible says the very nature of your walk with God is that the righteous ones shall walk by faith. That means if we're walking with God... We are trusting in God alone. That super duper faith thing, that's, you know, faith is for those really strong Christians. That is exactly what the enemy wants you to believe. He wants you to see trusting God, relying upon Him, as something that is rare and is unrealistic for your life. But listen to what verse 8 says. It says, if if I'm not expecting God to do what He says He can do, I'm being a double-minded man and unstable in all my ways. The Bible is revealing to us that maybe why not just this problem, but so much of my life is out of whack. It's because I have not let go and trusted God completely. I don't know if that hits you like it did me. That blew me away. Because now it moves beyond just this problem, right? It becomes revealing of the rest of my life, which has got a pretty decent amount of messes too. Maybe if I would just trust that God can and will, it would take care of a lot of problems in my life. I get it. This thing in your life is extremely hard. And I am so sorry that you're having to face that. But you are. Amen? So what, what should we do about it? First of all, have you asked God to give you wisdom? Have you said, God, I don't know what to do and I don't know how to do it. If you have come to God and asked for wisdom, are you actively and intentionally seeking that I know God is going to give me the answer? If I haven't seen it yet, it's on its way. It's as good as here. Is that the way you're approaching it? I'm hanging on until God shows me. 
Do you truly trust that God can and will give you an answer? Is God revealing a need for you to trust Him more in your life? That this problem is really maybe a gift in a sense, like verses 1 through 4, because it's revealing other work that God is trying to do in your life. And in general, He's calling you to trust Him more. Really trust Him. Quit having the backup plans. Get crazy and believe that He really is God. I think I'm in a church where people are starting to say, I think I might trust Him. I think I'm going to do it. Amen? Just like the guy said in Mark chapter 9, I believe, help my unbelief. Amen? Are you here today and you've been grabbing hold for so long? Your knuckles, your hands are so tired. God is coming by and saying, trust me. Trust me not only with this thing, trust me with your life, with your eternity, with your soul. I want to forgive you. I want to, I want to cleanse you of all that garbage and all those choices and all the baggage. And I want to give you a future and a hope. And I want to give you life that lasts forever. Maybe this problem is a gift. Because as painful as it is, I'm going to tell you, Robbie Langford is hard-headed. Please know amen. <laughs> but God has broken me in some ways in recent days that I said, wow, I never knew what a hard-headed idiot I can be sometimes. And I mean that in the most... Great way. Not, you know, we don't need to let the enemy pile on, you know, negative. God help me. Amen. Is that what you would say to the Lord? God, I give up. I give in. It's over. I surrender all. Would you bow with me before the Lord? God, we desire to be a people who live it, who do it, who walk it, who see it, who experience the hand of God upon our lives. We don't want to just talk, we don't want to just read, we don't want to just take notes. It's incredible that you, God, don't just tell us what to do, but you specifically show us how to do it. What a great God you are. How real and personal and intimate you are. And I pray that a bunch of people would just get crazy and believe what you say is true. Someone is clinging to the boat that's going down. Help them to release. Say, God, this is hard, but I trust you. And God, especially I pray if there's someone that's never 
put their eternity, their soul in your hands. Someone here right now would say, Jesus, I surrender all. I give my life to you. It's over. I raise my white flag of surrender. God, do what you will. Have your way, God. This is our prayer in Jesus' precious and mighty, generous and kind, loving and powerful name. We pray that our prayer is in accordance with your nature and your will. Amen.